I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this is Inside Kurdistan. Play Radio started up about a year ago, so did our website. They do radio, we do podcasts, they're in Suli, we're in Erbil. So it seemed right to just go over and make an episode with them real quick while I was in their city because there's an obvious connection there, and I do love exploiting those. Specifically today, I'm showing you an interview that I did with Razan Nozad, uh, also known as Kurdoz, uh, who is a founding team member of Play Radio, although he's actually probably better known on the creative scene for being one of the first DJs in Kurdistan to introduce the electronic music scene to the region in a big way years ago. Uh, it's a scene that you can easily access now if you're young or old and you like music with a 4-4 time signature, it's not hard to find this crowd. Uh, but we get into Razan's own personal and family background and some of the observations he's made along his own journey as an artist, both here and in the Netherlands, uh, which he calls his second home. We also talk about what makes a creative scene in Slimane so special uh, and some of the differences between past generations of artists in the city and the contemporary scene. Uh, it was a real treat to drop by and meet Razan and his sister Rosht uh, uh, to talk about their work on the radio station uh, so with all that, here's Kurdos. Razan, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for coming. So uh, I want to address a, a little scandal uh, that you revealed to me before this interview, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, the origin of your DJ name, uh, because you stole it. Yes. And so I think you owe the people an explanation. Yes, my DJ name, uh, also my on-air personality name, is Kudoz. And uh, I stole it from a friend's email address when I was a teenager. <laughs> That's the long, long story short. Uh, and it turns out that Kudoz, it, uh, with a S, is Greek for Kurt. And I wanted a you know, patriotic uh, name, like a nickname, when I was a... Uh, when I was younger, because I lived abroad at the time, and I had this high sense of, you know, nationalism, and and then uh, I moved back later, and I kept the name because it sounds cool. <laughs> it does sound cool. I, I do expect a lawsuit, Thanks. though. Um, <laughs> uh, when did you leave Kurdistan, uh, and where where did you end up? And, and uh, within that, how did you discover uh, your interest in music? Well, my father moved uh, as a migrant to the Netherlands in '96. This is when I was 10, okay. for what was supposed to be a quick um, take us to Europe kind of trip. <laughs> he ended up waiting three years oh, okay. uh, for, for uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ikhama. Ikhama, okay. yeah, residency. Residency yeah. there. And then uh, I was lucky enough to hop on a KLM plane and, and join my family and go to Holland. And, okay. Uh, be introduced to an entirely new country, culture, of course. And at the time, there was no, no uh, broad internet as we have today. So it was all new for me. It was challenging to adapt to the culture there, but it was also very uh, culturing in many ways. It was um, very, a very rich experience in terms of learning in, in media. And uh, in the Netherlands, they have a very, in my opinion, fun and cool uh, advertising and music scene. They do. Of course, the culture is uh, very American-based, uh, but they do have, a, they had a lot of commercials. I, I always had a thing for the commercials on TV because they were funny and it was new for me. So uh, I developed the interest for that as well as music has always been in, in the family for me. I come from two musical background families. 
So uh, I was like singing and playing a little bit of guitar at an early age. And then we moved to Holland and I was introduced to like more media and more advertising and the pop culture and Backstreet Boys and whatnot. And so, yeah, I, that's where I've become double cultured, mm -hmm. I would say. Okay. When did you first discover like electronic music specifically? In the early 2010s. Okay. Uh, this is 2010-11. Okay. And uh, I had moved back here because we moved back after six years of living in Holland, mm -hmm. which was enough for me to learn a lot and learn the language, pick up some English on the way. And yeah. When we came back, uh, I would go back for holidays to Holland in the summer, and then I would I was introduced to festivals and parties. Okay, and, all right. And then DJing became a hobby for me. All right. So I started doing that when I came back. I started throwing parties here as early as 2012, and which was it was completely new here. I mean, we were asking friends to come out to the first e dance event, let's say. And then we would start improving that. Uh, sound system became better and better every time we did it. We introduced lighting. and So every time we would go back to Europe, let's say, and we would go to really nice parties that we enjoyed, we would try to come back and do the same here and bring our friends around. And then we ended up having like two, three hundred visitors and sometimes more. And it became a thing. We kept this like, in in some ways we've we're giving credit for like kind of starting the uh, dance scene at least here in Sully because at the time even in Erbil these things were very new it's i mean it's still in a way it's new i mean the yeah. idea of parties and festivals yeah. and stuff like that happening yeah. uh, but it is much more common i'm curious when you first got started out was there any pushback uh, from people about sort of creating that rave scene and stuff like that i think Honestly, I can say that, it ha that there was none. Okay. Yeah, because um, we kept things underground for a long while because mm -hmm. uh, we we know the the local culture that uh, you, you don't. It's best not to introduce these things very publicly. So we, yeah. like I said, because we started with friends also because we did it for our own joy mm -hmm. because we needed that expression and outlet. Uh, it just became bigger and bigger and more people started coming out and having fun and the whole idea behind it was always to like share love the way we've seen it abroad mm -hmm. people go party together and uh, people become you know introduced and you make friendships there so it was all about those things uh, and we were younger at the time so it was always fun it was we had the energy to keep it going sometimes we'd have like four parties a month um, we didn't we didn't experience any like uh, specific pushback or obstacles because I think here in the in, in Sully especially the culture is very accepting uh, and now in, in the rest of Kurdistan also I mean these things are happening and they're accepted and I think that's a that's a wonderful thing I'm really well, happy about that it's funny you bring up Sully because uh, I think for listeners who might not know anything about Kurdistan uh, Sully's got a very unique artistic culture mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I'd like to kind of zoom out and talk about the city in general. What sets Suli apart and what sets sort of this generation of Suli's creative scene apart from the rest of KRI? Well, I mean, generally Suli is considered the cultural capital here in, here in the uh, Kurdistan region. Mm -hmm. Unofficially, officially, I'm not sure. Whatever that means, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> whatever that means, but yeah. So uh, it's always known uh, for uh, like emerging artists and uh, some big poets. Uh, so you you expect uh, evolving culture to happen here, I guess. Uh, media is also very forward. You have a lot of 
progress in, in advertising. You have some nice agencies uh, that are based in Sully that mm-hmm. work for Erbil, also that work for the rest of KRG in Iraq. Um, so I guess you could say that um, there's a culture of innovative arts and yeah, like just picking up what, what the world is doing and learning those things. I think the culture here is, is uh, very art influenced. I'm not sure if that's because we're closer to Iran and they're very artistic and uh, cultural, I don't know, but uh, or because we're a border town, a border city close to the border. Uh, there's been a lot of travel around this area, I guess. But you have that in Erbil too. I'm not sure. My my theory is that it's it's actually a little bit of two things. It's one, it is on the border. Border cities yeah. generally are more more cultured, more more multicultural. But also, uh, Sudi's kind of isolated from the rest of the cities uh, geographically uh, yeah. in Kurdistan. And so I think, uh, you know, you look at like the Hook, Erbil, and even Mosul to a certain extent. Uh, mm. You can see a similar thread of culture uh, through yeah. all those cities because they're an hour away from each other. You're right. Sule's a little farther away. Um, so therefore just a little bit different. I don't I don't know exactly what it is. I think uh, I think there's many different factors. Um, you know, there's political stuff as well, but we don't have to get into that. But um, let's talk about you and your parents because you said uh, you come from a musical background. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have uh, famous, famous uncles on both sides. Uh, my mom's uncle is one of uh, the predominant Kurdish uh, old-school classical singers, and so is my dad's. So they're two of the biggest names. Around. What is what is old-school for you? Uh, folk, I guess, Kurdish folk. Okay. Yeah, they're known for like... Um, and one, one is actually very tra- tragic also, because mm-hmm. he was captured by the Ba'ath regime and never returned. So he, he was, uh, let's say, Killed. He he's considered a uh, peshmerga or mm-hmm. not not a shahid, not a, a martyr. A martyr. Yeah. Uh, he's considered like a Kurdish uh, martyr artist mm-hmm. that that was very well known at the time and had still has like, very popular songs. But they were they were never able to recover him until the uh, collapse of the Ba'ath regime in, or Saddam's regime in yeah. uh, two thousand and three. Uh, then they found some documents that uh, stated that he was, he had uh, died under torture, mm-hmm. so he wasn't, uh, he wasn't able to survive the conditions. So yeah, that's on one side. On my on my other side, my uh, my father's uncle is also one of those you know, great old singers, folk singers. He was also a Peshmerga. <laughs> I guess I guess it's it's in everything here. Yeah. In background, yeah. I'm curious how not only your relationship with your uncles influenced your music, but uh, your relationship to your uncles in terms of uh, uh, how they struggled uh, to be able to define themselves. Uh, yeah. yeah. These are my, my parents' uncles, by the yeah. way. But oh, I your do, parents' uncles? Yeah. So, so your great uncles? My great uncles. Oh, okay, got yes. it. Okay. So this is my mom's uncle and my dad's uncle. Okay. But yeah, I, I definitely see like a sort of. I, I understand that that's where my musical background comes from mm-hmm. because it's on both sides of the families and you expect like a genetic kind of thing going on. I've always had a passion for music. I have videos of myself singing when I was like two years old and I've always been into like instruments and stuff. But uh, other than that, you do feel a sense of responsibility and I've always loved this country. I've always wanted to like move back and uh, I've considered the Netherlands as my second home. 
I still love it very much. <laughs> I still go back. But I've always felt, I guess it, it's a bit in our um, upbringing as well, maybe coming from families that were involved in things like these, that you have a sense of, go, you know, one day trying to move back to your country and be of service. And, and you have now, in my, in my situation, you have big names to live up to. So it's... Well, it goes into the, you know, the decision to pick the name for DJ that you picked, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, wanted, I wanted the word Kurt to be uh, associated with me. I mean, clearly that comes from, yeah, something deeper. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this radio station and the yes. audience that you want to cater to. So alongside DJing, which was a hobby for me, like yeah. I said, it was a more of an expression, getaway, having fun with friends and kind of thing. Uh, I've worked in a, uh, another popular radio station at the time uh, when I finished my studies after we moved back. I was a, the key producer, the production manager there for like the commercials and uh, I had a show uh, every day. So after that, um, I m went into advertising because I always had a thing for advertising yeah. also. And then I became a creative director at a, a well-known advertising agency here in Sudi that was doing very well at the time. And I ended up writing some very nice big TV commercials that I'm still very proud of. Okay. Uh, mostly like comical, funny stuff. Like and, what? Uh, like the, on top of my head, the Tishknet campaign where, I, I don't know if you've probably not seen this, we can share this with you later. Yeah, yeah. I've done some nice campaigns um, for like Mahmoud Rais, it's called the Batita campaign. And these were these were these would be things that became household names like people would repeat them and they were trending for a couple of years okay in these commercials yeah so you I, knew how to write a hook yes okay yes got so it i think so i love doing radio i love doing my show and producing commercials and i moved into advertising I, I was pretty successful with that and but i always had a thing for like going moving back to radio and everybody always told me you should have your own station and, you know you could do more there so it was always in the background i guess mm -hmm. until i had the opportunity to do this uh you know also independently just with some friends we are now we've been on air for a year and we've been working here together with the team for four or five months and we've already made some really nice progress we have some cool ads running on air now uh, we have a morning show that i present three times a week uh, right now as we speak we uh, are hosting a hip-hop hour mm -hmm. like a special hip-hop show and we have more of these shows and live uh, segments in the, in the mix. Uh, I was sitting here with your sister Rausch, uh, yes. and uh, she's she's declined to participate in the interview because she's shy. But yes. um, <laughs> just to let everyone know, she's also in the office. I'm yeah. curious what it's like working with uh, with uh, your sister. Oh, she's uh, she's, a she's the worst for no. me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, we have moments where you're still siblings, I guess, and then you take that for granted. So I, I still snap at her sometimes. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I apologize instantly, but uh, she's the, I would describe her as like the brains behind the scenes. And it's very supportive because it's someone so close. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's good stuff generally. I just think it's interesting with you uh, that it seems that every single creative decision you've made has somehow tied back to your family. You're right. Yeah. I guess I'm a very family. Did you just realize person. that? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. And I, I guess th these things also are uh, often 
genetic at the Iranian families. Mm. So we, we as, as a family at home, uh, a normal day, we, you, would, you will hear three persons hum different songs simultaneously and everybody's just singing their own song <laughs> while doing chores. <laughs> so that's a normal day at my place, at my parents. Uh, both my, my parents sing well. So the, all three of us, three siblings, we sing too. Okay. So we're into music and um, we, uh, Riri is very creative also, my sibling here, who is, uh, she's the station manager with us. Even the, the vibe that we go for here in the office is a, a family kind of setting where everybody pitches in and everybody does four or five different jobs. And we try to sit down for like creative solutions together when there's a campaign that needs like a scenario or an idea, we try to discuss it with as many members of the team as possible because sometimes a word out of somebody gives you an idea. So we try to implement that as well. But yeah, I would say it, it, it does run in the family, creativity and music and it's one of the things that we love. And do you bring in other local artists to like profile for your morning show as well? Uh, yeah, not just for the show, but with the station, we try to uh, affiliate with local emerging artists. Mm -hmm. and like who? Actually, we the, the names that we've worked with, uh, there's Raz Zeki, there's someone that goes by the name Muhim, there's uh, Jia, who's also a uh, team member now with us, Okay. Uh, who's a great hip-hop artist, and he produces and writes his own songs, and the, in my opinion, they're like Eminem level, uh, safe for some mix and mastering details, you know, but um, we try to we try to show this different uh, gap in the, in the local music market, because what you have going on is a lot of like um, Iranian influenced or Turkish influenced mu music here locally that um, have become like the pop pop scene, pop culture. But on the other hand, you have this emerging global globalization of like music and, and, and the pop culture, like integrating into countries like these. And I, we see that happening because uh, we've been here for about 15 years. And when we moved back, you would you wouldn't hear so much English coming out of kids yeah. coming out of like uh, compared to today, you, you can walk around in any neighborhood and you'll you'll overhear kids in English, which is super strange because these kids look like the same kids 10 years ago who didn't speak a word of English. And uh, they pick these things up from the Internet. They, they they're being cultured. And in five, 10 years, we have a strong sense that this uh, culture is going to grow and uh, we're not about uh, we don't intend to westernize the local culture in any way we don't intend to uh, dis discard the, the Kurdish uh, culture or uh, we don't we're not trying to replace that for anybody we're just trying to introduce the global uh, culture of, of music of entertainment and you you we base this off the experience that we have in countries like uh, those in Europe, where they speak their own language, they have their own culture, they have their own folk and folk uh, uh, music and everything is still there. But the majority of uh, their entertainment and media is a lot like in the States, for example, and in the world's leading countries. And, and I guess that just means better music, right? I mean, the most streamed artist in the world is what we try to play a lot of here on the on the radio. So I guess we're trying to make that connection between here and abroad. But also we, we see that as 
enriching our culture. Not uh, if there's any uh, ideology that could be viewed as a pushback or obstacle for us is the misunderstanding that when you try to introduce these new things, you're getting rid of the, rid of the old. And some people see this as a threat, as yeah, yeah don't, uh, why don't you play just Kurdish, man? Don't get rid of our Kurdish, Kurdish culture. We have our own culture. We don't need this Western, you know, uh, thing you're trying to promote. But we see that as uh, the lack of growth. And we see what we do as uh, introducing Kurds and the Kurdish culture to the world, because you and I can talk about things that we have in common now, as you might be, you might compare that to 10, 20 years ago, and that might have not existed, or there, there would be a lot less of it. So we see it as broadening and introducing Kurdistan to the world. And it's not just in um, music and entertainment. We, you also see it in, a lot in like uh, vlogs and travel videos. And you see a lot of people coming out to see the nature here, to interact with the locals. And because of the language barrier becoming smaller and smaller nowadays, these things are possible. So we want to be a media outlet here that uh, has both flavors on it. And I think it's reflective of this generation's sort of more diasporic like quality. Of, there's a lot of people like you, uh, for example, uh, who've been somewhere and come back or are going out again, um, potentially. And so it ends up like Kurdistan ends up becoming sort of a sponge. Uh, and yes. I would agree with you that uh, uh, it's not dispensing of the old. It's, it's, it's allowing it to evolve and, yeah. um, uh, you know, encouraging innovation uh, in general but have you ever discussed like uh, your embrace of sort of electronic music and DJing and stuff like that uh, with your parents uh, or your or other people in your family older generation and what what do they have to say about it uh, yeah they've always my parents are I guess the supportive type so but I have I've never seen them like really click with it either okay it's not like they fully understand but they've never said anything about it being uh, uh, something that that they even vaguely don't support. I mean, it's they know I DJ. Uh, they know that there's drinking at my parties, mm -hmm. and they know that boys and girls have fun together there. But I guess without without sounding too cheeky on with this, I have my parents trust in these things. I guess, but um, other than that, uh, there is like. It's, it's this new generation that, that don't understand these things more. I know people that don't drink, mm -hmm. uh, that have never been to a rave or a festival, but listen to Armin Van Buren all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's on its own. Like a, it's a good thing because you understand that the culture comes first. Uh, I think that's a good thing. But it does leave the older generation behind. It's more something for the new one and the upcoming, the upcoming generation. The, yeah, I was going to say, the next generation is going to do something that you all roll your eyes at. Yeah. That's generally how it yeah. works. And my hope is that, that I'll be remembered as one of, the, one of the first that did it here. Yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. Uh, so you've been around for a year, uh, uh, playing 97.1. Uh, what's your plan for the next year? We're on 89.1 in Erbil, by the way. We have two frequencies. 89.1 so. for yeah. our, uh, Erbil audience. Our plans for the future, that's a good question. Uh, we... We plan to um, go as far as local like television, satellite television. We want to be like this message that we have 
to introduce better entertainment for the youth, uh, for the general public also, but for consumers of these things, to introduce better content material, uh, shows, TV shows. We see a lot of gaps everywhere and we're very ambitious to fill those gaps, but uh, we're also patient because we know that processes here are uh, long, um, work needs other people. So it's a matter of building the, the product and the market for it at the same time. So we're trying to promote these things, like we're trying to promote people listening to radio more in general, mm -hmm. and then also also listen to us and hear what we have to say and uh, introduce the idea of entertainment on radio, on TV. Uh, we, my, my mission is to take things away from the conventional uh, neighboring countries based uh, style of television and radio. And you have that a lot. Our, How do you mean? Well, our TV shows are either modeled after Turkish shows, and then you have a cheaper version of that, which is, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it works. I think our TVs can do a lot better. But I also understand the, the struggle. Like, mm -hmm. it's not easy. It hasn't been easy founding this station and running it on a daily basis because um, I see this country as like a empty football or soccer field with a few players. So that's an opportunity for you to score. Okay, but but <laughs> okay. it's also a harder game <laughs> to play. The lo the runs are longer and more exhausting. But it is like, opportunity-wise, it's it's a chance, it's a shot. So I guess we uh, our mission is to fill as many of, of those gaps as possible. Be able to I would love to one day be involved with like general entertainment media. Uh, we want to host uh, festivals annual like radio festivals, because this is another thing I've, I've picked up abroad. I grew up going to summer festivals organized by radio stations in the Netherlands and had the best time there. We want to introduce that concept. We want to um, support the local community, uh, the local artist community, the young, this generation of, um, I guess, pop music, pop artists, uh, people from all different backgrounds. Like we, I know of very good indie singers who are Kurds or local. Mm -hmm. I know a very good hip hop artist, very good pop singers. We've never seen a boy band or a girl band here before. I, it, our ambition is to introduce all these things. You want to create the Kurdish Backstreet Boys? Yeah, or like like a BTS. They're, they're huge right. right now. Because okay. Backstreet Boys is something from the past, but you, when you look at <laughs> like, like K-pop right now, it's booming all, all over the world, right? So, so K-pop, but the K is Kurd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's an idea. So well, yeah, these things. I wish you the best of luck on Thank you so everything much. you guys are doing here. I think you've got a really cool project going on. Thanks. And um, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks again to Razan and Rosht for taking the time and letting me drop by the office. I've posted a little bit of information about Play Radio's programs as well as some of Razan's old ads that he talked about in the interview. And they're really good, actually, so you should check those out. Inside Kurdistan is brought to you by the Kurdistan Information Network, and you can check out our podcast on KurdistanIn.net. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us at info at KurdistanIn.net. Thanks so much. I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this has been Inside Kurdistan.